this. One for reading and the other for driving or seeing longer distances. And that is really annoying because I continually misplace my glasses. I buy cheap readers and they break very often. I forget to bring them when I need them, where I need them. I suppose I could have gotten contact lenses, but the reason I don't wear contacts is that I cannot get over the prospect of regularly touching my eyeballs or having something in my eyes. I don't care how soft or rounded or hydrated that thing is, I don't want stuff touching my eyes. I'm just never gonna get over that. I find that prospect irritating and off-putting, so contacts were never an option for me. People, of course, get LASIK surgery, and that sounds great until you realize that you have to keep your eyes open while the laser does whatever it's gonna do to your eye, and even that little bit of discomfort is not acceptable to me. The thing is, no matter how muscular and tough you are, not that I'm t tough or muscular, no matter how tough you are, no matter how big of a person you are, uh, nobody wants people messing with your eyes. You can be a CrossFit trainer, you can be a bulk bodybuilder, a marathon runner, a great outdoorsman, a chiseled athlete. You can be as rich as Jeff Bezos. You can be powerful. It doesn't matter. Getting poked in the eye is no respecter of status, fitness, or ability. It hurts. It's an irritant, and it's unavoidably distracting. You cannot go on until you have righted what is wrong with your eye. And that brings us to our verse for tonight, Zechariah 2, 8. And I'm going to preach on just a half a verse. I'm not even going to preach on the whole verse, just half a verse, where the prophet tells exiled Judah, he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. And I want us to meditate briefly tonight on two encouragements and a warning from the second part of Zechariah 2.8. He who touches you touches the apple of God's eye. And the first encouragement is that God is protective of his people. God is protective of us. When we encounter some dangerous situation, something that might cause us pain, we wince as a reflex. Wincing, if you think about it, is a half blink that protects your eyes while still letting you see. You close your eyelid a little. Uh, we were watching a movie as a family the other night, and it was about knights. And when they compete in the lance, often a knight would put his head up like this to protect his eyes, even though he's got a helmet on, even though he's got just a slit for his eyes, you couldn't help but protect your eye. And there was one guy who didn't do that, and that was impressive to those people. When I use a chainsaw to cut wood, I use safety goggles. I don't want wood chips getting into my eyes. Sometimes if they do get into my eyes, I can't go on. I'm, I'm rubbing my eye, it'll be like 20 minutes before I cut another piece of wood. Eyes are sensitive, they're vulnerable. When you get something stuck in your eye, you can't ignore it until you remove it. It's an irritant. You've got to attend to your eyes. In fact, our eyes, pardon me going on so long about this, are so sensitive that God created us with eyebrows, eyelids, and eyelashes to protect our eyes. 
I don't know of another body part that is that protected. But this, God says, is how he thinks and feels about us. This is how he treats us as the apple, the pupil of his eye. Like you can imagine, like, yeah, I can kind of touch the white of my eye maybe a little bit, but not the pupil. God has a sensitivity towards his people like the sensitivity we have towards the middle of our eyes. And God cannot go too long without addressing the pain in his own eye. God had assigned Babylon to take Judah into exile for their sins in the promised land. They'd been there already for 70 years, according to Zechariah 1.12. In Zechariah 1.15, God had been a little bit angry, he says, but Babylon overdid it in punishing Judah. And God was getting defensive for his people because Babylon furthered their disaster. So in chapter 2, God promises to free Judah from Babylon. Babylon had plundered Judah and her people, but God noticed. God took the mistreatment of his own people like a poke in his own eye. And the truth is, God has always felt like this about his people. Moses had said, as far back in Deut- as Deuteronomy 32.10, God found Israel in a desert land, Deuteronomy 32.10, and in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled them, he cared for them, he kept him as the apple of his eye. And now, in Babylon, the apple of God's eye had been poked and inflamed and irritated. So, Christian, just look at how God himself identifies with us as his people in our sufferings and sorrows. When we hurt, he hurts. You realize that? If that's all you get out of this devotion, it'll be worth it. When you hurt, especially when you hurt for Christ's sake, he hurts. Because you are the apple of his eye. We, together, are the apple of his eye. When we wince, so does he. There is a union between us and God and the mediator, Christ Jesus. Our union with Christ means that he feels us. We are in him not as some tangential, remote, marginal, numbed member. I mean, not to take the thing too far, but we are not the earlobe of God's ear. I can pinch my earlobe pretty hard and feel very little. Same thing, oddly, with the skin on my elbow. You ever pinch the skin on your elbow? I can't even feel that. I mean, do that right now. Pinch your own earlobe or the skin of your elbow, if you dare. See, it's easy. It's no big deal. We're not that to God. Now, I dare you, touch your eyeball. You ain't going to do that. You're weird. You're weird. If you like that, you're weird. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard anybody say in my life. I like touching my eyeball? That doesn't make any sense. She knew it when she said it. You, you have a very hard time doing that to yourself, don't you? 
God's a, <coughs> excuse me, God says we are the apple of his eye. It's arguably, arguably the most, or one of the most sensitive parts of the body. So when we are hurting, when we're scared, when we're uncertain, when we want to curl up in the fetal position, when we feel helpless, what do we do? Well, all too often we think, well, Jesus must be ashamed of me. No. No, no, no. It's the opposite. You are the apple of his eye. He feels what you feel. He knows how that feels. He's hurting with you. We remember that he feels it when we sorrow and despair. God feels it when we are scared and sad and uncertain. Not that he is scared or sad or uncertain, but that he knows what it's like. He identifies with you in that. He doesn't identify against you. He identifies with you. And so we pray, Psalm 17, 8, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. You see, apple of your eye, shadow of your wings, same idea. It's protective. From the wicked who do me violence, close your eyelids over me. Isn't that a wonderful image? Because such little things can do me such great harm. Hide me, preserve me, protect me, care for me, defend me. So being the apple of God's eye means that God is as protective over us as we are over our own eyes, and he is protective over us like that because he cherishes us like that. And that's our second encouragement. God cherishes his people. God cherishes his people. God said, as Zechariah 1.15, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. To call his people the apple of his eye is a metaphorical way of saying the same thing. I'm jealous for my people. God is not jealous of us as if we have something he wants. No, he is jealous for us because we are something he wants. He wants you. He's jealous for you. He wants you to himself, for himself. Man, if that doesn't make you want to read your Bible, I don't know what, that, what, what will. He is jealous for you. He wants alone time with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to talk to him. He wants to be the sole God you rely on when you are scared, uncertain, sad, angry. He wants to be your everything. He cherishes you. He created us in his own image, so he values us for what he created us to be. He cherishes us because he sees himself in us. And if you're a Christian, he's seeing himself more and more in you, and he loves it. And yet, as creatures made in his image, we are also weak, dependent, vulnerable. We are contingent, like the apple of our own eye. doesn't take much to ruin your eyes. So he cherishes us. And this cherishing us, this treasuring us, valuing us, putting a premium on us, is what it means for us to be the apple of his eye. It's like in Proverbs 7, verse 2, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments 
and live, keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Protect it. Cherish it. Love it. Value it. Put a premium on it. Don't let anything get in the way. To treasure God's teaching is to treat it like you treasure the very center of your eyeballs. You value and treasure and cherish your eyes. They're invaluable to you because they're irreplaceable to you. You would never, I mean, I can't even say it with a straight face. You would never sell your eye. I don't care how much debt you go into, it's never going to occur to you, you know what, you can have my eyes. It's not going to happen. They're too valuable to you. You cannot stand to think of someone digging your eye out. I mean, if you're watching a movie and something like that starts to happen, you're like, ah! Right. It's awful. Your eyes are a treasure of complexity, sensitivity, functionality, even beauty. The Christian, again, this is how God feels about his people. The apple of his eye. He cherishes us. He treasures us. We are so important to him. He is sensitive to us and about us. We are so valuable to him, again, because he sees himself, his own renewed image in us, and he sees his son, Jesus Christ, in us. And we are now united to Christ by faith. We are one with him. We are in Christ. Christ is in us, and that means we are in God. And is that not just what Jesus prayed for us in John 17, 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us as the apple of his eye so that the world would believe that you have sent me. So we are in God, in Christ, as the very apple of his eye, cared for, prominent, useful to him, cherished, and therefore he is attentive to us and protective of us. God can no more ignore our sorrows and fears or sins and diseases than he could ignore being poked at his own eye. If you have pink eye or an astigmatism, you get it treated as soon as you can. And if God sees us diseased and discolored with sin, he will treat it. And that may mean putting in the medicine of hardship and trial and fear and sorrow. We may have to endure that, but know that when God applies the laser or the eye drop, he is doing it to us as if to his own eye. When God is addressing our bloodshot or astigmatism or sty in our hearts, he is careful of us. He knows what we are and our sensitivities and weaknesses and complexities. And he identifies with us because we are in Christ. Christ is in us. We are in God. Not as the skin of his elbow or the lobe of his ear, but as the apple of his own eye. And now to the warning, very briefly. If this is how God feels about his people, the church, then we had better not mess with God's people. Friend, have a care how you treat the church. This is a warning. Have a care as to how you treat God's church. To abuse or mistreat or even neglect his church is to poke God in the center of his own eye. We should have a healthy fear of mistreating the church. If another person pokes you in the eye on purpose, how do you respond? 
it's a serious irritant. And it's not just a physical irritant, it is an emotional irritant. And you get defensive. It aggravates your sensitivities. It makes you want to respond so that that person knows, don't do that again. You don't touch my eyes. That is how God thinks and feels when people abuse the church. To abuse the church is to poke God in his own eye. So have a care. That's picking a fight you can't win. God is strong, and he is also super sensitive about the way we treat his church. So, Christian, the next time you get poked in the eye, next time you get pink eye, next time you have to put on your glasses, think about Zechariah 2.8. Whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. Next time you, your heart feels bloodshot and dry from the mistreatment of the world, the next time you see the world running roughshod over the church, the next time you feel disciplined by God over your sin, but also wronged by the human instruments of his discipline at the same time, think of Zechariah 2.8. Whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. The next time you see the church abused or abandoned by bad leaders, the next time you see the church suffering astigmatisms and styes from its own sins and shortcomings, remember Zechariah 2.8. Whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are so kind. You have condescended. You have identified with your people so that when we are persecuted, you say, why are you persecuting me? We have not thought of these things enough. We have not given you enough credit or praise for such kindness, for such compassion. So may we not think hard thoughts of you. May we think thoughts of you that recognize how you identify with us in our human weakness and woe and pain and sorrow and fear and uncertainty. And may we take all of these things to you because you know, you see, you care, you feel, and you are good, and you are kind, and you are merciful. May we find your kindness and mercy as we bring all of our cares to you because you care for us. For your sake we pray. Amen.